Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. As with the previous episode, you might hear Tom Turner reference in this episode that there were no active cases in the two nursing homes which he represents in South Carolina. This particular episode was recorded on September the 29th, 2020, and that was true at the time. We do not have an update on whether that has continued to be true over these past several weeks as the number of cases has ramped up throughout the country. We would ask you to be in continued prayer for Tom and the staff and the residents there in South Carolina as they continue to minister to senior adults in their facilities. Tom Turner joins me today here on the Biblical Perspectives on Aging podcast. Tom, would you take a few moments to introduce yourself and let us know where you serve? Certainly will. Hey, Andy, uh, my name is Tom Turner. I serve as the president and CEO of the South Carolina Baptist Ministry of Aging. And obviously, as it sounds, we're over in South Carolina on the East Coast. Um, I'm excited to be with you and hope I can share some information with you all that's helpful. Tell you a little bit about myself. I've had the great privilege to lead our organization for the last 11 years, and we are connected, um, or we are a ministry partner of the South Carolina Baptist Convention, one of seven ministry partners that are here in South Carolina and affiliated with the Baptist Convention. And so I've been with our organization 11 years. I'm a lifelong Baptist, and my entire career I've worked in senior care. Tell you a little bit about how Baptist I am. I am a lifelong Baptist, but yet also married into a missionary kids family. And so this has been a great privilege for me to serve in this role with my background, and which is in administration. I've served in skilled nursings and assisted living as an administrator in the for for profit side before I moved into this role 11 years okay. ago. Okay. Okay, great. Well, for our listeners, I'm going to share that when we refer to the SCBMA, uh, we mean the South Carolina Baptist Ministries of Aging, and that's ultimately your employer at this point. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, this, this podcast is uh, a ministry of the Baptist Home in Missouri, but it's good for listeners everywhere to hear how God is working in different regions, different areas with those who are caring for the aging. So could you please uh, share a little bit about the ministry of the SCBMA? Okay. Well, as I said earlier, we're part of the Baptist Convention here, an affiliation, and so we serve as our own 501c3, and our, our ministry is represented by two life plan communities. We formally called those uh, continuing care retirement communities, and so we have a, uh, our campuses serve an array of services to our residents that live there, independent living, assisted living, and lastly, skilled nursing services. We've been operating for 60 years and are, honor, uh, are honored to have Christ-centered environments where our residents find meaning, purpose, and joy. And that's really the purpose of our campuses. And we've just been able to do that for a lot of years. And so it's an exciting place to be. And I, I'd, I love to tell people about our two campuses. They are um, Bethay Retirement Community in uh, Darlington, South Carolina, and Martha Frank's Retirement Community in Lawrence, South Carolina. And uh, maybe I can tell you a little bit more about both of those if it's appropriate. Sure, go, go ahead, please, feel free. So um, 
We'll start with Martha Franks, which is our younger of the two, 35-year-old campus. This campus sits in the um, upstate of South Carolina. It sits on rolling hills in a beautiful, relaxing setting. At that particular campus, we have a great number of retired pastors and missionaries that live on our campus and always have, especially missionaries. I think they're somewhat drawn to our campus. And I think when I, when I think about our two campuses, I think, and, and really our focus over the last several years has been service. One of the things we realize is that when folks make a choice to move to a community like ours, many times they're moving to our communities because of a need they have, whether it be a physical need, maybe there's some memory impairment, maybe one spouse is healthier than another. But what we see a lot of times, and in most cases, our residents that choose to live on our, on our two campuses have been very active in service, either on the mission field, as a pastor or a pastor's wife, or as Christian laity. And so one of the things that um, Martha Frank's campus really does well is to continue placement of service for our folks. And we've done that. One example of that is about seven years ago, Martha Frank started a Billy Graham call center, and it's operated by residents, uh, mostly, and some volunteers and some staff. But if you're not familiar, or your audience is not familiar with the Billy Graham call center, um, you'll, you'll know that the Billy Graham crusades are, are re-shown, re-televised. Sure. And when those... Uh, um, crusades are re-televised, there's a prayer line at the bottom that individuals can call. And our Martha Franks campus is one of those prayer locations. And this is done twice okay. a month. So twice a month, of course, it's been erupted a little bit with COVID and the virus, but twice a month, individuals can call in or when they call into that prayer line from the crusade, it is dispatched into Martha Franks. And since 2013, when we started this, our residents and those who volunteered in that, in that ministry have answered 2,642 calls. Wow. And of those have resulted in 787 salvations. Amen. And other assurances and rededications. Um, but it's just a great example of how those who have been in ministry life all their lives, whether it be in the pulpit or otherwise, can still serve and, and minister. Um, I had a little lady at Martha Franks tell me one time that she wanted to serve but didn't know how to serve. And because she, she felt like she couldn't oper you know, operate a telephone well and, and be on the line, but she, she was able to um, be in a prayer circle right outside of this area where these calls were coming in. And uh, so we really uh, want folks to be involved and continue to serve in those those ways. So that just gives you a little, a little bit of the spirit of our two campuses. Um, that's Martha Frank specifically at Bethay. Uh, Bethay Retirement is has been serving there for 60 years. We opened it just right at 60 years ago now. And uh, it's a very similar environment. It's in the PD area of South Carolina, which may not mean anything to your audience, but give you some logistics that's about 45 minutes from Myrtle Beach okay I think most everyone knows where Myrtle Beach is and uh, so that is a property a large property we had over 100 acres at one point and um, 
it's a very similar spirit, more of a agriculture history. And we are in the process, we're very excited because we're in the process of building a nursing replacement in, those, in that campus today. We're about 85% finished and their nursing, which is the oldest building on the campus, 60 years old, is getting ready to have a brand new campus. And we're building a household model, um, which means it will be more residential in feel and, and, and really um, non-traditional for skilled nursing settings. So um, uh, very busy on our Bethay campus right now as we, <laughs> as we get ready to open or to transition residents over and open our new building. Uh, we believe probably somewhere between the second and third weeks of November. Oh, wow. So that's a little bit of our campuses, yeah. Okay. Well, while we're on this subject, Tom, I know that you're also in the midst of expanding. You're looking at the possibility uh, of adding a, another campus as well. And obviously, you know, the baby boomers are retiring 10,000 a day, I think is, is the number uh, that, that relates to that. So the, the need for care, skilled care, uh, and, and just retirement settings in general are going to continue to increase throughout the uh, decade. So could you share a little bit about uh, the rationale? I mean, I just gave part of it from my perspective, mm -hmm. but from mm -hmm. your perspective, a rationale for possible expansion, uh, where that's going to be, and what gap that you hope that uh, fills for uh, the retirement community in South Carolina? Well, I think you hit a, a, a driving factor in, in your introduction to that. Um, we, we assessed or completed a strategic plan our board did five years ago. And as we were looking at, um, you know, what our ministry's mission is and, and can, will continue to be, one of the things we, we did isolate is the need for growth logistically or, or more uh, where we serve in South Carolina. Our campuses, while we're not a big state, our campuses are about two and a half, three, uh, two and a half to three hours apart. Okay. And one is in the PD, one is in the upstate. We do not have a presence in the what we call the Midlands, which is the center of our state. And so that's really where we have isolated the the possibility of an expansion. And our board likes the idea of expanding into a third campus. And so we've been looking at. Uh, how how we might can do that prayerfully looking at property and such and such things um, but we might you know just God may open doors for us to serve in another way whether it be a you know a, a different line of service but that that's what we're looking at and I would say that for us beyond the increase in senior needs that you mentioned the, the baby boomers and that certainly is a major driver but also it for us, our expansion goes back to our mission as an organization. And, and, you know, our mission is to provide professional services with compassionate care so that all we serve may thrive. And working in this industry for 27 years, and I say industry, I should say ministry now, but working with senior adults for 27 years, one of, my, one of the things I have realized is that as a society, we many times place a senior adult on a shelf when they finish their work. Mm. And, and we, we try to say compassionately, it's meant to be helpful, is to say, you've done your work, let someone else do that. Um, and, and when we do that, many times, Andy, we are no longer valuing or placing value on that individual. And, and we all have value and we can continue to contribute through our entire life, whether it be mentoring others, uh, it's a lot of different ways you can do that. So 
we want to we want to serve folks where they are. Um, sometimes that's an independent person who who wants the safety and security of one of our campuses. Other times it's because from a, there's care needs for one or both of the uh, maybe a couple or an individual. And so that's really our goal is to meet them where their needs are, but to also, like I mentioned about one of our campuses, is to be able to provide an environment where they're, they're with folks like they're used to being with, maybe in their local church home, they're continuing to be able to serve each other. And then at the time where it's important for them to be served themselves, that there's a community that comes alongside them and serves them. And that, that's really our driving factor for growth. I, I don't want our audience to uh, miss what you were talking about earlier with the Martha Franks retirement community there. Um, I know that we went into the expansion, but what a great ministry to have the opportunity to continue to serve uh, for those, you know, related to the Billy Graham Call Center and, and the number of people they're helping. They can see that difference in themselves and have maintain hope and dignity in serving others as well. So that's, that's wonderful. Well, Tom, one of the challenges, obviously, this is being recorded in the latter part of 2020, a year that will be remembered for a few different things, one of which I'm certain will be COVID. So what has been the effect of COVID for your ministry right now? And how have you responded to date? And, and are there any changes that you're looking at making just to continue to make sure, uh, as we talked about before we came on air, with the uptick around in the state and stuff? And of course, that's, you know, around the country and around uh, the world. But what impact is the virus having on your different communities now? And, and how, are you, uh, how have you weathered the storm? What are you looking to do to weather the storm in the future? Well, 2020 has been an interesting year, hasn't it? <laughs> I will tell you, I'm very thankful that today we do we are not being impacted by COVID on either of our campuses. You know, when most of a large portion of what we do is or care for care levels is assisted living and skilled nursing, um, COVID has been a big deal because it's really changed the fabric of what we do on our campuses, as I'm sure it is in Missouri. We've had restricted visitations on most of our campuses since March. We are now getting ready to, re, to have a re-entry into our campuses, hopefully over the next two weeks. And that, of course, is contingent upon <clears throat> the COVID positivity rates in our counties and what our local government will allow. But it's, it's appearing that we may be able to start having visitors in, back into our assisted living and skilled nursing over the next two weeks. I will tell you, Andy, uh, this has been tough. And in, in my experience um, operating senior living communities, it is, it is unparalleled to anything we've dealt with before. And, and our staff and residents have been so resilient during these, this time but it's been hard because, you know, if you think about it, Andy, our residents have not seen their family members, mm -hmm. especially in the skilled nursing arena, have not seen family members in six months until just recently when we were able to start doing window visits. I don't know how it is in Missouri. In South Carolina, you know, really didn't really hit the news, if you will, as far as cases until, I don't know, May or June, something like that. And then we've just seen the continued growth in that. And so... It has been difficult in a lot of ways, but God has really blessed in a lot of ways too. I will share with our audience that we, 
we did have COVID enter one of our campuses in our skilled nursing back in May. And we, you know, reacted very quickly. I think some of what has to do with why one campus and not another, why one nursing facility and not another, potentially has to do with the environment and ventilation and the, the years of your building and, and all that physical plant things. But we were able to eradicate it. And so we have not had any cases um, in that community and none in our other campus since, um, since June, first week of June. Wonderful. So we've been very blessed with that. What are we doing in the future related to COVID? Well, I think this is going to be like, you know, like yours and mine, daily life has changed completely. I, I wear a mask just about everywhere, which I think you do too. And I think our audience does. So uh, I think, you know, we're going to see in senior living a continued heightened awareness of that for a while. We have been looking for our communities on all things environmental. What can we do to keep the airflow and uh, to, to where it helps to not allow, allow it into our communities and then just continuing to follow all the regulatory guidelines of the CDC with precautions and screenings. I think that's here to stay for a while. I do not think we're going to operate any differently, um, at least through 2021. If you ask me personally, I'm ready for visitations while it's risky and scary in some ways. As an individual who's experienced a loved one in a nursing facility, um, it, you know, it's got to be terribly difficult not to see your loved one and, and to be dependent on others to care for them. So I, I hope we can carefully and safely open the doors back up in limited form so that our residents can see their loved ones and experience that again. Thank you for mentioning that, Tom. I think that probably is one of the biggest challenges that many people on the outside of the industry are not thinking about as much. What feedback, um, what feedback have you had from the families? I mean, obviously there's an understanding that that has to be in play, but it's frustrating for the, the families on the outside as well. Have they been fairly open and accepting uh, of the policies that you've had to have in play or have you had some pushback on that? No, I would say for the most part, they've been positive and, and very helpful. We have some of the best families of individuals that we care for. I think like all of us though, they're coming to the end of their um, ability to, to not see mom anymore, mom and dad. I think that they are, they've been very um, accommodating. They understand the limitations we have. They understand that for the most part, they've understood that, you know, we aren't setting these guidelines. They've been setting by local government and the CDC. But again, I think it, it, it's one of those situations that they're ready to see their loved ones again. And then, you know, we'll have that, we do have a small population of people who are very cautious themselves. And so we've received some questions about how are we going to reenter or have a reentry safely? And should we reconsider that? It's been not many, but a few. And so we're trying to answer that as, as best we can. Again, 2020 has been a year like no other. <laughs> so Absolutely. none of us know, none of us know the answers to those things. We just, We've just got to continue. One thing our families do, for the most part, realize is that um, while this all surprised us, it did not surprise the Lord. Amen. And so we're just leaning on him for guidance and direction. And, and so hopefully he will continue to bless our communities, your communities, um, and those who live in senior living communities. 
thank you for that, Tom, very much. Um, now, you said that you've been in, involved in caring uh, senior care in some way, shape, or form for over 25 years. The last 10 plus years, there is a part of the SCBMA. Part of your career was in the for-profit sector. Explain some of the similarities and differences related to those mindsets. You've been an administrative the entire time, you said. What are some of the similarities and differences uh, from that perspective, Tom? Well, obviously, there are a good amount of similarities in, in care levels. We provide on our campuses and in many life plan communities, not-for-profit life care communities, we provide skilled nursing, assisted living, some independent services, just like the for-profit folks do. So there's a lot of similarities in that. Similarities in how regulatory-wise they're operated. And, and then we see in some of our for-profit arenas, like the not-for-profit, that we're, we have those who are getting into, uh, those providers who are getting involved in home care, some hospice services. So all the services are very similar, whether it be in the, the not-for-profit or the for-profit. You know, I, I like to tell our staff that, um, that in the for-profit arena, um, that there was a term I, I learned early on, which was called, we can't have margin without mission. And honestly, even in the for-profit side, that's what I heard. But that really took a very different view for me when I came into the not-for-profit world, recognizing how important our mission is. And I think that's really the difference, um, that we're, we're here to establish a mission. It's kind of interesting, Andy, on a personal note, as an administrator, I have always felt like I was able to minister to individuals, whether I was in a for-profit or not-for-profit environment. But when I joined the not-for-profit sector of senior living, I realized that it really becomes our DNA and who we are hmm. is the mission piece. And that for us and so many not-for-profits really come back to our biblical principles that guide us. Not to say it can't be that way in a for-profit sector. There are those companies that operate that way, but it's unusual. But in the, in the for-profit and more specifically the faith-based communities like the Baptist here in South Carolina and there in Missouri, it really, I think, starts with our guiding biblical principles. And ours is that, you know, our ministry is built on the faith and foundation of the work of God. And then from there, we establish what those principles mean to us and for us, they're Christian service and stewardship, partnerships and perseverance. We, as I said earlier, we've been in, in uh, our business of caring for individuals for 60 years. And we believe that the Lord has blessed us in a lot of ways to be able to continue to do that. And so I think that is really the differences is how our mindsets change. And uh, now with that said, like any other business, you've got to be able to keep the lights on and, hmm. and, uh, and, and uh, keep paying bills. And so we, we can't forget that we are a business, but larger than that, we're a ministry to people. And I think what's been so exciting for me through the years is to, um, with this ministry, with SCBMA, is to really see the connection of our Baptist constituents that we serve. We do have individuals on our campus that aren't Baptist, but for the most part, about 80% of our, the last time I surveyed, about 80% of our population attests to be Southern Baptist. And so, as I said earlier, many of those are retired pastors and missionaries, but some of them are Christian lay people that just want to know they live in an environment when they, when they have care needs, 
folks who are, are going to love them because we love Jesus. Mm. And, and, and so that's really the difference in what we, in what we do. In addition to the mission, we also, I think in the, in the faith-based organizations that we have, we also see some funding changes that allow us to care for people that um, maybe wouldn't be able to live in a for-profit side. For example, at SCBMA, we have a missionary fund. We call it the minister's fund um, that's taken up every year in a special offering that churches voluntarily can participate in. It's called the Mother's Day offering. You may have something similar in Missouri. And that fund is established for ministers and missionaries primarily that would not be able to financially live on one of our campuses without some um, assistance, financial assistance. And so that gives us the ability to ensure we are taking care of those individuals if they want to move in one of our campuses our need, and their needs are there. So I think that's probably the difference. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that uh, very much. Well, Tom, I appreciate your time today. Is there anything else that you would like to share uh, with our audience today? You know, the only thing I was going to mention, Andy, is, uh, you know, as you said, 2020 has been a, a really different year. And I think some of what all Christian ministries, including ourselves, are experiencing is just the cultural shifts in, in our world and how that is starting to affect how we do ministry and how we continue to do ministry um, in a way that supports our residents and their families and our staff. And, you know, whether we're talking about COVID or we're just talking about the way our culture looks and views certain issues, it's, it's just, it's a new challenge that we didn't have even five years ago to the extent that we have now, you know, how we manage staff, how we communicate and articulate our Christian values and how we continue to be authentic in providing those. And how can we do that in a legal environment that is going to be careful, but yet still to some degree unapologetic about our Christian stance. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really kind of, I, I think for Christian organizations and, and many para uh, church organizations like us are going to the, the, the real areas of focus that need to be there in the future to ensure us to have longevity as we move forward in our culture. Does that make sense to you? I think sure. that's one of the things that we're starting to talk a lot about on the board level. And because it's important to us where I feel like it's important to you all that we continue to not only do a good job of caring for folks and, and providing compassionate care, but to do it in a way that honors the Lord and in a way that our, the baby boomers and even some of the, the generation before them that we now care for can take pride in that they, you know, they chose to live on a campus that brings glory to God and, and then invites an opportunity for the others to know the love of Jesus. And, and that's really what we hope to be able to continue to do and continue to do well as we move through. And I'd love, you know, if, if your audience is listening and would offer up some prayers for us as a ministry, just that we can continue to be bold where we need to be bold in that arena. And, and also I would just say, Andy, from a prayer perspective of, continued but that there'll be continued blessings on scbma and provisions of safety and so that we can continue for the long haul and to continue to serve folks where they're where they need us to serve them i would say that and i would say i would love the opportunity to know too what we can be praying for for you all as well maybe similar but may also be different 
Well, I, I think, Tom, uh, I think there'd be a lot of similarities. I know the, obviously, the care, the safety of the individuals you asked, or you kind of mentioned earlier that you are in a, a phased reopening uh, of sorts, reentry. Uh, Missouri is, the, the governor of Missouri has recently made that option available. That is being worked out right now. And, and interestingly, just as all of that became, began to be realized in some ways, the governor was, was uh, it was announced that, that he has COVID now. So I, I think, I think there's a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities there, Tom, but, but I think as, as we look to allow, I'm a pastor as well, and, and I haven't been able to visit, you know, some of the care centers and facilities since March when this broke as well. And, you know, I, I contact them via phone and whatnot, but um, I, I sense the hurt in their, you know, in their eyes and, and uh, or in their voices, I should say. I, I know they're in their eyes too from from those I've talked to that, that have been able to at least see them through a window and whatnot. So, so yes, I, I think I think a lot of those similarities would be uh, in play. So I appreciate you asking and sharing your own prayer request uh, for your ministry and for yourself, wisdom uh, for yourself as you lead the organization going forward as well. But do we have time for me to possibly um, offer up some prayer for our organization and yours? Absolutely. Please do, Tom. Awesome. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to be together and to, uh, uh, to share. And Father, we thank you for the for the privilege that it is to, to serve our senior adults throughout our country, specifically in South Carolina and Missouri. Father, I just, um, I thank you for the blessings on our organizations and for those who, uh, those individuals who are served on our organizations. I thank you for our staff and those who um, unselfishly serve every day this population. And Father, I do offer a prayer and for our staff, for our residents, and for all the things that we've talked about, whether it be cultural issues, issues with the virus. Father, I just pray that you will continue to bless our organizations. I pray, Father, that our organizations will continue to be focused on how we can serve people better, but do it in your name and that you will be glorified in the process. Amen. So, Father, we just uh, thank you for today. We thank you for your many blessings. We pray continued blessings and wisdom on leadership in our organizations. And, Father, we pray for our nation that as the as this, hopefully, we, we, we pray that the virus will con, uh, continue to decline and we can get back to normal, it, it, whatever that new normal is, Father. But, Father, we also pray for our nation and for all the issues that are being driven culturally. And we pray that you help us to know how to be part of the solution. And Father, we pray that as we do that, that our seniors will benefit and be blessed and that uh, you will be seen as the way and the answer for all people. Now, these things we lift up in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Tom, for your time today and for that prayer. I uh, look forward to um, uh, hearing how your ministry and the, the expansion that you have going on there in South Carolina continues to unfold in the future. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I don't get an opportunity to share out of state stuff, uh, out of state much. So I really do appreciate it. And please let me know how I can help in any way over there in Missouri. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Tom. All right. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. 
To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.